Section 34 of Humorous Readings and Recitations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Humorous Readings and Recitations, edited by Leopold Wagner. Section 34 acting with a vengeance by w sap june methinks tis a very remarkable sign of the times i must own this expression's not mine how in these latter days the theoretical craze has obtained such a hold on all grades of society and this love of the stage is a mark of the age which is not in accord with my views of propriety. T'was only last week a young lady I know invited the world in a body to go on a wretched wet day to a dull matinee when she made her debut in The Hunchback as Julia, a part which to act is a thing of long practice. Sure ne'er was conceit more absurd or unrulier how can amateur actors commence at the top of the thespian tree and avoid coming flop it would seem very queer if a young volunteer should begin by commanding the royal horse artillery or if babies should bilk their allowance of milk and insist upon sucking from bottles of sillery so it mostly occurs that an amateur errs and gets shaft for possessing less skill than audacity when he tackles a part without learning the art and exposes his natural want of capacity and what is more painful his lack of sagacity i'm bound to admit i was rather once bit by the mania myself in a mild sort of way paid a half-guinea fee to the Zeus ADC, and found myself cast for a part in a play. I think twas the bandit brothers of Brighton, or Eastbourne, or Yarmouth, or Hastings, or Barmouth. I forgot for the moment which place was the right un, but I knew there's a chief who at last comes to grief, after numerous blood-curdling adventures and rescues such as frequently writers in modern burlesque use now the part of the chief who comes to grief was secured by a hot-tempered youth named o'keefe in spite of the jealousy of two other fellows he cast himself as the leader without hesitation and resented remarks with extreme indignation so the others were fain their rage to contain and one end accepted the part which was reckoned to be on the whole the one that ranked second the local town hall was engaged which would hold some three hundred people the tickets were sold the purchasers wishing to help the good charity we played for some adding donations and gladding the treasurer's heart to a state of hilarity rehearsals galore were to take place before the 
debut on the boards of the Zeus ADC, for the members were earnest as earnest could be. Well, the opening one was rather good fun, for we found that the practice of vigorous fighting, twits bandits and coast guards was rather exciting, but later, you know, it got rather slow, for those who were supers to constantly go, and lay the same victims perpetually low, with time after time the identical blow. But Mr. O'Keefe, who played the chief, had a time less monotonous greatly than ours, and always kept up the rehearsals for hours. Still he wasn't quite happy, and often got snappy, for Richard McEwen, who wanted to play, the part of the chief, and used often to say, he'd have done it himself in a much better way, was by no means contented, thus feeling superior, to play seconds to Keefe, his decided inferior. So he did what he could to annoy the great K, and misunderstood in a scandalous way, all the stage managers proper directions and refused to accept either hints or corrections now in the third act the time being night the scene on the beach there's a hand-to-hand -hand fight twixt the bandit chief that's mr o'keefe and the coast guard captain mr McEwen, in which tis agreed that the first shall succeed while the latter comes in for no end of a hewing but Richard McEwen was strong and quick, and very good hand with a single stick, and he didn't see why he should quietly die by the sword of a man much less clever at fencing, so he would give a twist of his muscular wrist, which disarmed the brave bandit soon after commencing. The rage of O'Keefe exceeded belief, for McEwen would do it, at every rehearsal the manager vowed it could not be allowed and the company protest became universal McEwen explained that he thought the piece gained by his showing his skill how could anyone doubt it there's more credit said he to the chief than there'd be if he killed a weak chap who nothing about it and he went on to say that O'Keefe wasn't fit for the part of the chief and could not fence a bit. O'Keefe, in reply, gave McEwen the lie, and vowed he would kick him or otherwise lick him. While his eyes flashed like those of a tiger or leopard, he induced us to think that his rival must shrink from placing himself in such obvious jeopardy. He did so, and afterwards things all went smoothly, while O'Keefe played his part in a matter quite boothly, or, as somebody said without meaning to gush, he'd half put Henry Irving himself to the blush. As soon as the public performance drew nigh, the local excitement ran awfully high, for reports had been spread by the club, be it said, that something uncommonly good was expected, and so on the day we turned people away from the doors where quite early a crowd had collected. 
well the overture over the drama began but thanks to our casual property man the rise of the curtain was somewhat uncertain in fact for five minutes or so the thing stuck which was terrible luck and affected the play at least so i should say for the opening act went decidedly tamely though o'keefe and his bandits stuck to it most gamely there was not much applause which perhaps was because our audience was certainly very genteel and thought it was rude folks should not show what they feel still we should have preferred some bravos to have heard and two or three gentlemen seem napping we thought might have better employed themselves clapping the first act went badly the second quite dragged the actors worked sadly all interest flagged and though very often we caught people laughing the occasions they chose make us think they were chaffing next came act the third in which the o'keefe was to be very great as the terrible chief for in it he killed his rival and spilled the gore of the coast guards all over the coast and eloped with a bride who beheld him with pride though she could herself of a coronet boast as a matter of fact we hoped that this act would redeem in a measure the ones that preceded and it opened so well and o'keefe looked so swell that at last we obtained the encouragement needed and then came the fight no one thought on that night that McEwen would dare try his veal tour de force and the battle began on the well-hearsed plan while the supers made ready to bear off his course whatever induced him to do it who knows he says twas an accident well i suppose when a man tells you that a denial too flat might perhaps lead to arguments even to blows but be that as it may the o'keefe couldn't slay his opponent whose wrist all at once gave a twist and the brave bandit's weapon went flying away the supers stood spellbound as over the stage strode the maddened o'keefe in a frenzy of rage he picked up his sword and then went for his foe in terrible earnest oh that was the sternest most truculent fight ever fought in the sight of innocent people who shouted bravo little knowing how soon the real blood was to flow thank heaven the swords were as blunt as two boards otherwise the result would have been simply frightful as it was every whack made the deuce of a crack while the audience considered it clearly delightful with the applause at its height this most bloodthirsty flight by a blow from the skilful McEwen was ended o'keefe fell as if dead with a gash on his head the supers rushed forward the curtain descended talk about clapping and walking stick rapping while even the gentlemen formerly napping bravoed themselves hoarse with the whole of their force and made their fat palms quite tender with slapping o'keefe and McEwen was shouted by all why deuce don't they come and acknowledge the call 
then some people said that blow on the head was it part of the play or ah see in the hall a youth he's a member as the ribbon shows see to dr pomodore he stealthily goes to the doctor who sat with his coat and his hat just under his seat that he need not delay if a patient should send to fetch him away but who never expected to find in the hall a patient and much less a bandit at all anxiety now takes the place of the row and people talk low and ask shall they go when before the drop curtain there comes with a bow the stage manager suave with a countenance grave to announce that although there's not serious the matter here applause and some chatter still in the late fight the wrong man beat the right and that therefore the show was at end for the night thus the bandit chief came duly to grief though not in the way that the author intended and as for his head ere he went home to bed the doctor had seen that twas properly mended this friends was the end of the drama for me and for most i believe the of the zeus a d c who needed of success may indeed have been less than that usually obtained by such clubs and societies but be that as it may i have err from that day placed amateur acting among the improprieties end of section thirty four recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c